0: Everybody and welcome to another my Ruby story. This week we're talking to Luca Guidi. Luca, do you want to say hi?
1: Hello, everyone. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, thanks for coming. Now we've had you on Ruby Rogues a couple of times. Um, we had you on to talk about Ruby elapsed time. And that was episode 361. It was in May of 2018. Is when that came out. And then we had you on in October of 2015, talking about the Lotus framework, which you renamed to Hanami. And uh, yeah, I don't think we've had you on since then to talk about Hanami, so we'll have to fix that. But uh, anyway, are there other things that people should know about you? Uh, I'm mainly
1: known in the Ruby community, yeah, for Laudus first and then Anami, but in the past I worked on other open source projects. The biggest one is Redis store for those who are using it. And then in the past, I also contributed to Ruby and Rails, Rack, and uh, those major uh, Ruby open source projects.
0: This episode is sponsored by Sentry.io. It automatically scrubs passwords and secure information, and you can customize the scrubbing as well. Finally, it has a user feedback system built in that you can use to get information from your users. Oh, and I also love that they support open source to the point where they actually open source Sentry if you want to self-host it. Use the code devchat at sentry.io to get two months free on Sentry's small plan. That's code devchat at sentry.io. So do you work full-time on Hanami, or do you have another job somewhere?
1: I work at the Simple as oh, okay. my day job. And then in my spare time, I work on Hanami.
0: Very cool. Um, one thing that before we get rolling too much, um, so you're Italian, you live in Italy, I assume. Um, what's the community like out there?
1: Well, it declined. Ruby never been uh, big in Italy, I have to say, uh, but it's declining in the, in the last in the latest years uh, so there is not too much but good news are there would be again the ruby italian conference in april this year and i will speak there
0: oh nice uh where's that held verona verona yeah, yeah i lived in Ver- verona for five months so oh cool Loved it there cool very cool. Well, uh, let's let's jump in and talk about you. Um, where you came from, how you got into Ruby, all that stuff. Um, let, let's start with how you got into programming. How did you get into programming?
1: Yeah, I have to say my story is a little bit cliche, if you <laughs> if you don't mind, because I've got uh, into computers passing from video games. I've got this my Nintendo when when I was eight, and that was magic. That was Captivating, um, and all this excitement uh, drove me into computers. I took my first computer class at the age of twelve, I guess, and they taught uh, Microsoft DOS and uh, Basic. Oh wow! Yeah, so that was my <laughs> my first uh, my first uh, programming language, and, and I remember the last lesson they shared with us Windows 95. It was, the you know, <laughs> a brand new word. And I remember, you know, the, that last lesson like that was, man, you can do that with computers. And then um, at the high school, I studied programming. And mm-hmm. with a friend of mine uh, outside school, we started to do some gigs with, for, uh, you know, the shop next door, they needed some automation for their uh, shops, something like um, um, and everything was made with Java integrated with some um, selling software I can recall probably. And then I went to university, studied uh, computer science, but I I dropped out at the the middle of the um, the university because I had to work to pay for my university and couldn't manage to do both. Right. And that was, you know, the end of my uh, studying career and the um, beginning of my professional career.
0: Now, I, I think one thing that uh, some of our audience that are based in the U.S. may not understand, and I, I just kind of want to call it out, um, is that in Italy, the different uh, high schools, um, basically have different focuses. So you can go to an arts-focused high school or a technology-focused high school or things like that. Here in the U.S., generally, you just go to the high school, right? Um, so in the town I live in, my mom actually teaches math at the high school that, um, that I'm in the district for. And so all of the kids go there, and then they just take whatever classes they want. But, but over there, um, yeah, there tends to be that focus. So did you go to a technology-focused high school?
1: Yes, that's correct. Um, there is this differentiation. You can take art-focused, technology-focused. Mm-hmm. I took the technology-focused one uh, because, again, I was interested in to to uh, work with computers. I've got mm-hmm. this, you know, uh, my dream job when I was a kid was to do the programmer, and I feel lucky and grateful enough to be uh, here, being a, a mm-hmm.
0: software programmer nice so you were doing basic um it sounds like in college you might have picked up some other languages um h- how did you get around to ruby how did you wind up writing ruby oh uh, because I, I don't know i mean i i talked to some italian ruby programmers over the years but it never seemed like it was a huge community out there
1: yeah that's correct there is no huge ruby community um i got into ruby because of uh, rails passing Mm -hmm. by Java. I was doing uh, uh, consulting for uh, uh, the biggest consulting firm in Italy for the highway company here and it was a classic Java enterprise uh, environment. I've got uh, those legacy projects to maintain and uh, that was just Boring and terrifying to me because I didn't grasp. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, that was you know my first big um, challenge in terms of uh, career. I was very young, junior programmer, and I didn't grasp really well OOP or interfaces and so on. So Mm -hmm. I discovered Scriptaculous, which is a JavaScript use it to be a JavaScript framework,
0: because I don't know based on prototype.
1: Yes, correct. <laughs> and in their website, there was this little banner that says uh, uh, "Ruby on Rails version uh, version zero point something is out." I said, "Okay, what is this?" And I checked it out, and I discovered a new word. Made of Rails first, then I started uh, studying Ruby with a pickaxe book, and uh, I said, "Okay, this is just amazing. I don't have to worry too much." Uh, about uh, interfaces, typecasting, and so on. Uh, and then uh, has become my main language.
0: Awesome. Yeah, we I are, remember that. That's right when I got into development professionally. Um, jQuery was kind of right on the verge of coming out and there was all this cool stuff that you could do with Scriptaculous.
1: <laughs> yeah. We are talking about 2005, more yep. or less
0: yep yeah. that that's yeah. um I got my first programming job in two thousand and six, so yeah it was right right around then um, I'm curious, so what was it about rails that really got you excited
1: I was at the time I was working in uh, with Java where there was a lot of configuration to do, mm-hmm. and the idea of a convention over configuration is something that caught my attention uh for sure um and again, it was uh, it felt natural, both the framework and the language, rather than configure for hours uh, XML files like I use it right. to do for my for my job, so that was again it felt natural, like you you pick your smartphone and it feels natural in the gestures that you interact with It's the same thing for Ruby right.
0: cool, so you get in, you start doing rails um, I've heard a lot of people talk about. You know, they get in for Rails and then they stick around because they like Ruby. And I mean, you've done a lot. You know, we talked briefly at the beginning about some of the things that you've contributed to. And most of those are not Rails-focused. Most of those are Ruby-focused. So, I mean, was it Ruby that that made you excited? Or, I mean, you know, how do you go from Rails to, hey, I'm gonna contribute to open source in Ruby?
1: Well, at the beginning, I've uh, contributed to, to Rails. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I realized that uh, Rails uh, wasn't enough for applications I worked on, projects I worked on. Um, in what way? In a way that uh, Rails is great for getting started, in my opinion, but it's, it leaves you alone where, when the app is one year older and, and so on. Mm-hmm. So there is no guidance in grow up the code base in the the terms of architecture. And I've seen too many apps with gigantic controllers, gigantic models, and so on. And um, that, in my opinion, is mainly because of of a couple of models that Rails is based on. One is used to be uh, skinny controller and fat fat models, and man, those (laughs) models were too fat. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> so um, instead of, uh, you know, complaining, I said, okay, let's do something useful for the community. Let's start as an experiment and see how um, we can iterate the great ideas that Rails has in terms of not just uh, the first year of a project, but to give you, since day zero, a guidance for a grow up to avoid gigantic models, gigantic controllers and so on. Mm-hmm. And that was the the first seed of a Lotus at that time uh, that eventually become Hanami.
0: You know, it's, it's interesting because uh, two, two things kind of came to mind. One was that um, the community has kind of invented a lot of ways to make Rails scale up or maintainable or things like that, right? And so it's, well, you know, you create these services or you, you know, you, there there are a lot of techniques out there. Uh, decorators try to solve some of these problems. Um, and and then, so, yeah, I mean, the community did kind of rally around it and try and make it better. And I think in a lot of ways they really did. But the other thing is, is that, um, and this is related to the first point, and that is that uh, for a long time, a lot of the talks at the conferences were essentially... Um, I have a monorail, how do I, you know, break it up into services or I have, you know, and so it really was, uh, the focus went from, hey, look, we're, we're doing all these cool things with Ruby to how do I maintain this giant Rails app, right? How do I break it up or how do I think about it so that it's not so hard to figure out what to do because it's gotten so large and so complicated and I don't really have the tools to think about all of the things that I need to think about at the same time to do my job.
1: Well, it's true that the community uh, worked around uh, rails to make our life easier, but it's not the same in my opinion. It's uh, more uh, the framework and a framework in my opinion needs to give you this kind of native features to guide you, not mm-hmm. the community to invent, uh, to, to uh, kind of fill the gap where the framework stops. I mean, the framework needs to, to give you more pillars in terms of not uh, say, hey, you don't know where to put this logic, so just drop it in the, in the model and move on, okay? Uh, yeah. That is too permissive um, uh, behavior that leads to chaos down the road.
0: Well, essentially what you're, the argument I feel like you're making is that you need it, to, you needed kind of the Rails revolution for Rails because Rails simplified a lot of things that were problematic with a lot of the other frameworks out there with PHP, with some of the Java frameworks. You know, it, it, it naturally led you down the path for a while that made things a lot easier. And what you're saying is, is that it needed that next step once you got to a certain point in your application development where it, again, naturally led you down the path of writing the good code in the right place. Yeah,
1: that's correct. Um, for instance, there are a couple of examples uh, for uh, of points for Anami. For instance, uh, uh, we provide uh, views as Ruby objects, which mm-hmm. are missing, for instance, in Rails. And uh, that uh, I've got this idea because templates in Rails. I, I mean, by templates, I mean the ERB files or the Haml files are too often cluttered, and if you use helpers you have problems testing them. Instead, you've got this Ruby object that is the rendering context of your ERB file. And everything that you need is inside that object. So that makes right. easy if there is a, an exception, you have to look only at one object, which is again the view, or for testing it, you can instantiate it and say render or give me this, you know, object here and uh, I can assert that the value is the expected one. And right. uh, another example is that we support uh, inside uh, an application, a product that you build, we mm-hmm. support multiple applications. That means you can have the API, the API. you can have the admin panel, you can have the um, customer phasing product. Everything in the same repo. Everything is built together as a monolith again, but this monolith has inside some you know boxes where you put your uh, the, the compartments of your app. So one day, mm, I don't know, one year after you started the project, and it, it's become uh, big, uh, mm-hmm. big corpus, you can split things up into several sub projects. Um, so it helps in the long run, in my opinion.:
0: This episode is brought to you by Triplebyte. Applying to programming jobs sucks. You have to put the right keywords in your resume. you spend hours and hours on the phone screens and take-home projects, and that's assuming the company even responds to your application. Well, if you're a software engineer, Triplebyte can help. They work with over 400 top tech companies, from big names like Dropbox and Adobe to exciting startups. You do one brief online interview with them. And if you do well, you go straight to final interviews with the company on their platform. It's like the common app for software developers. Triplebyte does not look at your resume or where you went to school. All they care about is if you can code. I've helped dozens of software developers with various credentials get jobs. And this looks like a terrific way for you to get in and get interviewed and get a job without a lot of the hassle and overhead. You can go check them out at triplebyte.com elixir. That's triplebyte.com, byte as in eight bits. As a special offer for listeners of this show, if you take a job through TripleByte, they'll offer you a $1,000 signing bonus. Um, I'm, I'm kind of curious, as you were building uh, Lotus, you said it was an experiment to see if you could bring some of these ideas together. At what point did it really start to become something that people were using on production products?
1: I started them um, as a previous company to, to do a couple of uh, small uh, production, uh, production uh, testing apps, let's say, mm. where the risk wasn't too, wasn't too big. Uh, so that was uh, the, uh, the starting point because I've got the feedback from my previous, uh, previous colleagues. And then um, three years ago, I started working at DNS Simple and uh, I was hired because the company needed to build a, a new API. Mm-hmm. And uh, they wanted to, uh, they were interested into Hanami. Uh, at that time it was Lotus, still Lotus. Mm-hmm. And they contacted me and uh, I've got hired to build the, um, the API based on, uh, on uh, Hanami. And that was helpful to get, again, reproduction uh, feedback from uh, building a large uh, app with, uh, with Hanami.
0: Right, that makes sense. Uh, when and how, why did you change the name?
1: Oh, it happened three years ago. Um, you may probably know that Lotus so use it to be, is, sorry, is an IBM product. Yes. In the past was a desktop office, whatever uh, software for uh, office management. Um, and I was... Uh, I knew about that that software, but I said, okay, uh, there is a difference. People, programmers can tell the difference between that IBM product and my web framework for Ruby. It turned out that three years ago was January of 2016, uh, an IBM employee opened uh, an issue over GitHub on our GitHub and asked, what is this? Uh, do you know that, uh, Lotus, uh, IBM Lotus is building a web framework too? This can be a source of confusion. Um, I've. Oh, uh, okay. Okay. I didn't realize
0: that they were moving into the framework arena.
1: Neither I did until that day.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and, um, I've been in touch with a lawyer. She is a collaborator of EFF. Uh-huh. Uh, and uh, we had a long, com- a long conversation and um, she said, it's rare a day that IBM can sue you, um, can put you, you know, in, in, in a trial, but I suggest, still suggest to change the name because if your project becomes something big, then there is always the risk of being on you know, trial. Right. And the second point is that uh, there is um, always confusion. In the mm-hmm. in the industry, uh, people st- will always wonder: Is that Lotus by IBM? Is that Lotus by you mm-hmm. know this guy here? So I said, okay, never mind. I will change them the name, and I picked Hanami because um, it, Hanami is a Japanese word that is it, a an holiday in Japan, and because uh, Ruby was born in Japan, uh, I wanted to build a bridge between the Western Ruby community and the Japanese community. And because the Hanami, this holiday is uh, uh, something that people enjoy to see the cherry blossom to cherry trees blossom with friends and relatives, it gives you a sense of community. That's why I picked this word.
0: Nice. So uh, what are you working on now?
1: I'm working um, at the Simple again. Um, So doing uh, a lot of small projects inside the flagship product. We have um, an internal ecosystem that supports the DNS and all the infrastructure. Um, I work 90% on Ruby. Our flagship product is Rails and inside that Rails app, there is uh, my Hanami API mounted in and the other 10% is Go uh, because we have a couple of Internal products that are built right. with uh, with that language.
0: Nice. Um, w- are you working on some things outside of work? I mean, do you have it? You know, you, you mentioned that you work on Hanami in your spare time. So do you have anything coming down the pipe there?
1: Yeah, there would be in uh, this year, beginning of the year, there would be the first alpha of uh, 2.0 series. Uh, and that will become. Uh, the first release of a long series of alpha slash beta that will eventually take us to the stable version the, later this year. We don't have a timeline yet, but we have uh, a roadmap. That means we have the ideas, but we need to fit with uh, our uh, time um, schedule.
0: Right. Well, we've already talked uh, before the show about getting you on Ruby Rogues, so we can dive into that in more detail. So yeah, looking forward to that, and it sounds like it's coming soon. So are there particular features that you're excited to talk about with that real quick? Or There is a lot of
1: simplification mm-hmm. in terms of um, uh, I've got the feedback from the community um, to simplify it. The settings and how the application is uh, mm-hmm. is structured. Uh, I'm focused on removing stuff from uh, 1.0, which sounds crazy these days. But uh, again, simplification is something that uh, is needed in the, in the first place. And second, uh, focus is about uh, um, performance. I've I re- rewrote the HTTP router, which is now faster and I'm really happy about the results. Uh, I've let it to, uh, to mature in a separate branch for a year and a half, so I feel that now that can be shared with, uh, with the world. Uh, we tried it in uh, uh, production, uh, sorry, staging environments, and it worked uh, very well, so my next step would be to try it for, uh, in, um, in production. And uh, we are promoting immutability, as um, as uh, principle in uh, in Ruby, um, trying to blend uh, functional programming and then the OOP, um, and that is an uh, exciting an exciting way to write Ruby. And uh, paradoxically, it brings more OOP principle. It forces you to adopt more OOP principles inside your uh, your objects. So everything again it's around the concept of simplification.
0: Right. So this is a question that I get asked sometimes and I'm curious what your answer is, is um, how does it feel to be sort of Ruby famous?
1: Uh, Well, I don't know if I'm a Ruby famous. um, Sorry, I just got through
0: this. (laughs) That's about my (laughs) response when I get asked a question. I was hoping you had something better there, but yeah. I don't feel special. <laughs> <They> <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's not
1: that uh, just, just, you know, outside of the show for, for a second. It's uh, something that I realize when I, I go at conferences, but mm-hmm. I don't get too much feedback on Twitter. But when I see people on conferences, they say, hey, you are the Hanami guy, uh, I'm following you since uh, ever, can I take a picture with you, whatever. And that feels strange to me because from day to day, I don't, don't get this kind of feedback, yeah. you know? Um, over the internet in general, you get, you get the harsh comments that people feel more passionate to heart you when something they uh, there is something they don't like, rather than uh, say thank you or congrats when there is something that they like. Right. So I feel uh, slash uh, airports normal for uh, most of the year, and then when I get to conferences, I feel you know ruby famous. Mm-hmm.
0: And yeah, it, yeah it's just, that's kind of the same thing i tell people i go to walmart nobody knows who i am i go to a ruby conference and some people know who i am so it 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 feels a little bit strange at the conference to have somebody walk up to you and say hey i know who you are and i'm, I'm happy to talk to people but yeah
1: yeah that that uh, i have to say that is really rewarding because um sometimes i, I still cannot believe that uh, um something that uh, is produced by me, by myself, can, you know, reach people in Japan or in the States, whatever, mm-hmm. uh, so that uh, helps me to, to fill the gap between that detachment of, you know, the code that write in my computer and the destination that, that where it arrives. So if there is a person that installs and uses Anami and tells me, hey, I'm using it for my product, it helps me to to get motivated.
0: Yep. Very cool. So if people want to find you online, where do they go?
1: My website is uh, lucaguidi.com and uh, I'm uh, over Twitter and uh, GitHub.
0: Well, uh, let's go ahead and do some picks. Do you have some things you want to shout out about? Okay, I'm reading
1: this book uh, by Carmine Gallo. Um, It's about the it's named "The Presentation Secrets of Steve Jobs," and it's a small book, but interesting for deliver uh, great presentations. And I want to test it out at the, the next conference, the uh, next presentation that I will uh, I will give. I suggest to to read it because uh, it's a small but nice book.
0: Nice. And you mentioned that you're going to be speaking at the Italian Ruby Conference that's coming up.
1: Yeah, it would be. It's named the rubyday.it. It's their mm-hmm. website and it will right. be in mid April.
0: And that's in Milano, right? Verona. Verona. That's right. You told me that.
1: Uh,
0: yeah, And uh, I, I think I mentioned before the show, but I lived in Verona for a few or for five months. So that would be fun. I'm, I'm going to have to find a, a reason to be there.
1: <laughs> because I think oh, that would be a blast. You have Ruby Day.
0: Yeah. yeah. I'll have to check it out. All right. Well, um I'm going to throw out a few picks. Um so I'm looking at a few conferences just to kind of stay in that vein for a minute. Um you know, as far as um things that I want to attend and uh you know, places that I want to meet people at. Um the first one is um it's a podcasting conference called uh, Podfest and uh, it's going to be held in Orlando, Florida. Um and I've been going to Podcast Movement, which is another um, podcasting conference that's been out there for a while. And I've really enjoyed that. But I, yeah, the, it's, I've had a number of people tell me that PodFest is uh, a, a different experience and a lot of fun. So uh, looking forward to trying that one out. And then, um, so yeah, I've been, I've been enjoying that. I'm trying to think of what the other ones are. I have them on my calendar. Let me just turn around and look real quick. Uh, another one that I'm going to be at is MicroConf, which is a business conference. Um, that one is, uh, at the end of March and that's in Las Vegas. Um, and now I don't live terribly far from Las Vegas. So, um, yeah, if you're, if you're, uh, if you think you can make it to that, that would be fun. Um, but yeah, uh, then that's a couple of days and there are actually a few Ruby people. So if you listen to, um, Ben Orenstein or uh, Derek Reamer or some of these other guys that have been out there kind of doing the entrepreneurial stuff in the Ruby space, um, they usually show up to that. So, um, anyway, I- I'm, I'm excited for that. Um, I won't be at Rails comp because my wife actually is going to a conference that weekend or that week at that same time. And NGConf comp is at the same time, but it's here. So it's easier for me to arrange things with my kids if I'm staying in town. So, um, but yeah, I will, I'm going to be doing everything I can to get to Ruby comp and, uh, so yeah, if you're if you're interested in hooking up there, that'd be fun just to chat and you know see what you're working on and all that good stuff. Um, and then one other thing that I'm going to shout out about, my wife and I, just to relax in the evenings, a lot of times we'll watch an episode of a TV show here or there. Um, one show that I've been really getting into is The Gifted. I think it's on Fox. And uh, essentially it's, um, you know, they, they Marvel likes to do all the timelines, right? So it's Well, if this happened, right, Uh, the last X-Men movie, I think, did that, where they went back in time and, you know, changed things so that it wasn't this dystopian future. It was better for the mutants. Um, Anyway, the X-Men have gone into hiding. Um, It's a very hostile um, uh, place for mutants. Um, And so there's this mutant underground. And so it basically follows um, a handful of heroes out of that. And uh, anyway... That, that's been a fun one to watch. Um, so I'm going to pick that as well just because I kind of like the superhero genre. Um, I, I complain a lot about the superhero genre because I feel like a lot of times they could have done better things with the plots and, and characters. But um, this show, they've, they've done a pretty good job about staying consistent and just being interesting. So I'm going to pick that. Um, all right, well, Luca, I'm looking forward to hearing more about Hanami. We'll get you on Ruby Rogues to talk about that. And uh, we'll go ahead and wrap this one up, and we will catch everyone next week. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by CashFly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with CashFly. Visit CacheFly.com to learn more.